0: Experiencing imposter syndrome is really common for QuestBridge scholars and alumni. Whether you feel like you don't belong or if your achievements might just be an accident, imposter syndrome affects many high achieving individuals, especially in places like elite colleges or competitive workplaces. QuestBridge alum Esteban Rojas, a 2015 graduate of the University of Notre Dame, is, by many indicators, succeeding in the field of engineering but his path has been filled with many moments of self-doubt. He speaks today with our host, Jamilé Jean-Léger, about how he's found healthy ways to face these recurring bouts of imposter syndrome at various points in his life and career. I'm Grace Sun, and this is The Quest Continues.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Jamilay, your host for today's episode. Today, we'll be talking about a pretty common issue for QuestBridge scholars and alumni, imposter syndrome. The persistent feeling that some high-achieving individuals have when they feel they don't quite deserve the successes they've achieved or the positions or awards they have attained. In short, when you anxiously think to yourself, I don't deserve to be here. Our guest today is Esteban, a QB alum who graduated from Notre Dame in 2015. How are you doing today, Saban?
2: Great. Thank you, Jamila. How are you doing?
1: I am doing all right. I uh, definitely want to talk about imposter syndrome and, has, and how it has shown up in your life. But I think before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about your college experience and your professional path thus far?
2: Yeah, definitely. Happy to. So my... My background is I was born in Columbia, but then when I was six, my family moved to the States and I grew up in South Florida. So I went to public school all my life. I started getting good grades at a young age. Then, you know, by the time I was in middle school, for sure, I was aiming for those straight A's. So, you know, that was the mentality that I, that I started building just by myself, um, just because I knew that I had the ability to do it. And in high school, that was a main driver for how I defined myself. You know, it was just because I knew that to get into a good school, I needed good grades, and there was almost like a a high of being able to achieve the straight A's to the point where I saw it be as failure. So for me, I I started kind of becoming a perfectionist, to where I saw success more as a binary sort of measure and not spectrum. So it was either A, I achieved something, or I, I did good, or I failed. That was sort of the mentality that I was forming, which wasn't the best. So I was doing good in school, doing good in high school. Then uh, when I went to Notre Dame, you know, I, I came in being the number one in my class. I thought I was really good at school. I was confident in my abilities as, you know, academically. And then at Notre Dame, I crashed with the reality that I am not prepared to Maintained that same level of of grades yeah, at the level that Notre Dame operates at, and the thing that further really hurt to see was how other people seemed to be doing perfectly fine, whereas I felt like I was drowning I felt like I was at the risk of not just uh not getting A's anymore but just filling a class like I had that fear legitimately. Uh, several times. So it was a big wake-up call as far as you know b- my abilities and it caused me to really doubt my place at the university. I was thinking that maybe I got in as a mistake that I was able to write good enough essays for someone to think that I was better than I was. And so I really doubted myself and and what I'd be capable of. And so that was something that I struggled with significantly freshman year, even a little bit into sophomore year. Um, The good thing is that at Notre Dame, there was a retreat for Latinos called the Latino Freshman Retreat. That one helped me a lot because other people were going through the same thing of that, you know, of that struggle. Academically, socially, again, that this was, you know, I was a minority at Notre Dame. Like uh, in South Florida, being Hispanic is You know, you're technically a minority, but you don't really feel it because there's so many. At Notre Dame, you do feel like a minority. So it was a rough adjustment. What helped was once I actually started my computer science classes, I saw that I was doing pretty good. Uh, You know, I was getting mostly A's at that point in those classes. And so that helped me see, okay, I might not be the best at physics, at chemistry, at writing, uh, but I can at least do the thing that I came here to do, which is computer science. Um, So that helped me see myself in a different light versus how I saw myself freshman year. Um, But it was still a process.
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I think that uh, that process of understanding what others' expectations might be, what are your expectations of yourself, and what's valid about either of those two um, is is almost a, a lifelong journey. Staying on the topic of experience, uh, what was your experience like settling into your new community at Notre Dame?
2: One of the things that I say I really felt like a minority was I started hearing about people talk about music that I didn't quite identify with. I listened to different types of music, different types of experiences. Uh, You know, people talk about going to Europe with their family or going to a lake house, having a boat. So there were a lot of experiences, things that I couldn't relate to, and that I didn't know how to insert myself into conversation with my peers. There was still that barrier, uh, just kind of culturally, a little bit socioeconomically, of like how, how can I talk about where I come from without, without shedding light that I'm an imposter, that I fake my way in, so to speak. So it was an adjustment, not just academically but also socially of like how how can I fit in where do I find my my place of belonging within the school so that was something that was difficult at first like I said I one of the places where I felt that belonging that really helped was the Latino community and there was a there was a Spanish mass on campus that I went to and then I since I played guitar, uh, I played in the choir and that was one of the places where I found like that sense of belonging.
1: Yeah. So that was freshman year uh, accompanied also by quite a few feelings of imposter syndrome from what you mentioned a bit earlier. It seems as if community was a really big part of how you started to understand your place at Nord Dame. But I am curious around those feelings of imposter syndrome and exactly how did you go about overcoming them?
2: Yeah, definitely. I never thought about it explicitly as imposter syndrome. It was more so, or the way I viewed it back then was, I don't feel like I'm meeting the expectation or meeting my standard because it wasn't an expectation somebody else made, right? I was still passing my classes. It was more so, I'm not. I don't feel like I'm at the level that I want to be at because I was used to being the top. You know, I was close, close to if not perfect. So using other standards of measuring. Whether I was doing good or not, and finding that for, out for myself, finding out that I had people that cared about me, uh, I had professors that were interested in my well being. So that was something that helped me realize altering what I measured myself by. And also, like I said, once I started doing my computer science classes, I saw that my grades there were better than in my non computer science classes. So even though I couldn't get a straight A's across the board, my GPA, at least within the computer science courses, reflected more of where I wanted to be. So it was, it was a little bit of tuning how I measured myself, but also giving me the time to really get into and adjust to the academics and just kind of improving on how I managed my time and so forth, because that was also a big thing that didn't help me is I was horrible at time management. I really procrastinated a lot. So that didn't help either.
1: I think those are some of the almost like tactical or practical skills that sometimes you are taught, but then sometimes you just have to learn sometimes the hard way. Uh, But it is great to hear that you found a community and kind of came to realize that you did belong in every day. You did have uh, like aptitude in a particular area that you're passionate about, but switching gears a bit, I'd like to learn more about your early career. So, can you share just in a even more detail? I know that you mentioned working in Texas, working in New York, but uh, how did you really come about understanding your career path since graduating college?
2: I had an internship at the company that I went to work after graduation, so that was the natural. of progression uh i had that offer lined up i and i like the company Uh, i like texas Uh, overall i felt i felt good uh my team my manager affirmed that they valued me and my contributions so that was you know so that really helped um i i didn't feel as much as an imposter it was more so when i saw other people that were more experienced uh and I saw how they communicated their technical knowledge and I was like wow I I need to get to that level I like I, I feel like I'm nowhere near that level but so so it's I still did feel like I wasn't meeting expectations at times but it wasn't as prevalent as it did at Notre Dame when I went to New York you know I I got hard because I learned a set of skills so I did what's known as uh Front-end development, which is you're working on a. I worked on web applications on what the user sees, so a lot of JavaScript, lots, of HTML, CSS, and so for those skills, uh, I was recruited to go to to go to New York at the at the investment bank, and when I land there, I see that there are there's these big projects that I'm tasked with. And I don't know how to accomplish them right off the bat. And so that was, that for me initially made me feel, oh, they expect me to do this project. I don't have those skills right now to, to complete that. And so that's what made me think, oh, they they made a mistake. What I didn't realize and what I now know in retrospect is that it's not about knowing everything right off the bat. It's about knowing how to get the answers. And that's not what I, that that wasn't how I viewed it back then. I thought that I had to know everything right off the bat that in order to complete my job. And that was what was expected of me. And so that's why I was very, I didn't want to reach out for help because since that was my perception of what was expected, my level of understanding to be at and how I didn't meet up to it, I didn't want to uncover that to others. You know, In the world of computer science, in the world of technology, you're never going to know everything. It's always changing. So it's not so much a matter of do you know everything, but do you know how to figure it out? Because those core core skills, that's the stuff that you really learn in college is how to figure stuff out, how to look up things online, uh, and is those skills really that you need? Because you can learn hard skills. Uh, And so coming to terms with that reality is what helped me a lot. And then also as time progressed, I became the manage. I became a leader in one of the teams and that was also a fulfilling experience because what I saw was that newer team members also struggled, but I was able to answer their questions when they made a mistake. I was like, oh, it's this, this is why your code isn't working, or this is how you should approach it. And then. Being able to help others, I it made me realize how much I how much I actually knew. Um, so that was you know a really great experience, and it was great to see them grow as a result. So by giving back to those more junior members, uh, it made me realize my technical ability, and it helped me see that I you know that I deserve the position that I was at. And it was also just great to be able to help others to not struggle like I struggled.
1: Yeah, there's there's something about teaching others that really helps to solidify the kind of subject matter for yourself, but also gives some type of fulfillment. I I am curious about was there a, a turning point in which you began to feel confident in your abilities? I know that you mentioned when you became a leader in the team. Or was it when you started to understand it's more about figuring out the how of solving a problem rather than you know, knowing everything? But yeah, just curious around what, what could have been that turning point for you?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know if I could point to a specific event where I could say after this day and this year, I didn't you know I, I, I view things completely differently. It's more so a transition a transition of how you view yourself. I started accepting that I couldn't know everything, but there was enough evidence to show that I am somebody successful, even though I don't know everything. Even though I'm not perfect, that doesn't mean I'm not successful. And so it was realizing that after after working enough time and seeing enough successes in my career, uh, that that was it was it was more so of a slow realization, and also building up my self-esteem personally. That was something I struggled with, you know, early, early on. The one thing that helped, just totally non-academic related or work-related, but I started taking salsa classes when I was in Texas because I wanted to learn how to dance. And funny enough, that like, that was something that really helped me on a personal level because as somebody who grew up being Particularly shy. This was now an environment where I had to reach out to somebody, most of the time, totally random, and most of the time it would be fine. Like, yeah, you'd get the occasional, no, I don't want to dance. But that practice of getting out of your comfort zone and seeing how much I had fun and how much the other person would have fun helped me see myself in a different light. And so that, I think, fed into. Than the workplace, of yeah, I can go to somebody I don't know that's completely random. Hey, how's it going? Like, I, you know, I, uh, I noticed that you're working on X or, or just reaching out to people was so much more easier because of the skill that I was developing outside of work. And so that, so that helped me see myself. It helped me see myself in a different light, but also it was giving me the skills to be able to reach out. And it was the process of, Going from zero to going to decently well and seeing that I, you know, seeing my improvements in that area helped to kind of inform how I viewed myself in the workplace. That, yeah, uh, I might not be perfect, but I can work on it and I can see improvements.
1: Yeah, that that is very valuable pieces of advice, even around how you can almost cross train. So if you are trying to build up a skill in an area, there are ways that you can actually grow in that skill by doing something that is seemingly unrelated, but actually really helpful. So like salsa and coding. So now we know that salsa and coding are actually more, more related than, than we might've originally thought. But it's great to hear the ways in which you come to kind of recognize your strengths. Uh, for our last question today, and you kind of already shared some pieces of advice, but I'm curious about what advice would you give to others facing imposter syndrome at various points along their even academic or their professional path?
2: I would start by saying that you have to change your mindset. The only thing that separates people uh, people who feel like imposters with people who act confidently is their mindset. One is not better than the other. So the first thing is you have to know that it's okay with not being perfect. It's okay with not being great at everything. If you got to where you are, it's because people saw the potential in you. If you got into that school, it's because the admission staff saw your potential to succeed. If you got into that position at the work that you are at, it's because people saw the potential in you. Now, that doesn't mean that right now you are the best version of yourself and you should be able to achieve it. Like There might be some improvements that you have to do to, to truly thrive and you have to be humble in admitting what those are and acting on it. But it doesn't mean that you can't succeed. So you got to where you are because people saw potential in you and you have what it takes. It's up to you to realize that you might, need to work on some things to be able to fully be the best version of yourself but it's okay with making mistakes it's okay to reach out it's expected even and that's one thing that i made very clear to to the new members of my team especially those that just got out of college all i time like i expect you to fail and i ex- i very much expect you to reach out and ask questions um, and so that's what i tell everybody especially those that are early on in your career your manager, your team does not expect you to know everything right off the bat. They know that you have the skill, you have the, the, the bare skills, the bare minimum skills, to to get to where you need to be, but you not might not be there yet. And that's you know, so that is okay. So it is okay with not being perfect. It's okay with needing to improve in different areas of your life, in different uh, habits or whatever might be the situation. Um, But that does not mean you won't be successful. Just because you're not successful right now doesn't mean that you can't be successful. So it starts with realizing that you are where you are because you deserve it and that you have the potential to succeed.
1: Fantastic parting words. Well, we wish you the very best. And thanks again for taking the time to chat.
0: The Quest Continues is a production of QuestBridge, a nonprofit organization that connects outstanding students from low income backgrounds with opportunities at top colleges and universities. I would like to thank Jamile Jean Leger for conducting this interview and Esteban Rojas for sharing his story. If you would like to learn more about QuestBridge, please visit us at questbridge.org. If you are interested in contacting us about this podcast or to reach Esteban Rojas, please email us at alumni at questbridge.org. Thanks, and we hope you join us next time for The Quest Continues.